0: You're listening to a
1: Roddenberry Podcast. Welcome back. This is part two of my conversation with Walter Koenig, all about his book, Beaming Up and Getting Off, Life Before and Beyond Star Trek. In the last part, we covered Walter's early days in Hollywood and how it's changed, and whether he considers himself a fan of Star Trek. Today, we're talking beyond Star Trek to social justice, and what's next for Walter Koenig. This episode of Daily Star Trek News is sponsored by BetterHelp. Get 10% off your first month of counseling at BetterHelp.com forward slash DSTN. So the title of the book is Life Before and Beyond Star Trek. So I kind of wanted to move sort of beyond Star Trek um, and talk about, you actually mentioned, um, you know, believing in the sort of social tenets of, of what Star Trek does. And there was a, a particular section of, of the, the newer section of the book that um, um, made an impact on me. And it was when you were talking about your trip to Burma. And then um, and then afterwards, you talked about um, your son's um, appearance at the Rose Parade. And the two those two stories together were a really interesting juxtaposition, because on the one hand, part of the reason that you went to Burma is because you were a very visible person and you could help um, shed light on what was going on there. But then you declined to go to the Rose Parade because you didn't want to detract from the work that they were doing. I'm curious what your relationship is as a celebrity, as far as kind of acknowledging the power that you have to try and make the world better, um, and whether you feel like you have a responsibility to try and do that. I'm curious.
0: Uh, Well, I probably do have a responsibility, Um, whether I've exercised that responsibility to the extent that I should have, I am uh, embarrassed to say that I haven't. Uh, early on in the book, I talk about HUAC, the House on American Activities Committee, and uh, Joseph McCarthy, two um, entities starting in the late 40s and going into the mid-50s, were uh, part of a very um, um, uh, shameful uh, part of our American uh, society at the time. The fact that we were, we were fear-mongering, we were, we were labeling people as being communists, and uh, we were, we were witch, uh, a strong segment of our population was witch-hunting mm-hmm. and looking for, for villains where there weren't any. The p- people who belonged to the Communist Party uh in the 40s and the 30s were really trying um for the most part i i don't i cannot bring everybody to because i don't know who who everyone was who was it but i know they were looking to make america better and, and they were and 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 they thought this was a a roadmap on how to do it uh, my father was that way he didn't slip any atomic secrets to anybody but he proselytized like mad we'd go out for lunch and there'd be two pretty girls in the next table and he'd start telling them about the joys and the, and the, um, benefits of, uh, living, uh, life as a communist. I know <laughs> it's still jokes in my throat, but it scared me. And, that, and then we got started getting hate mail and I was 12 years old. And, uh, and it, was, it left me with a very strong impression. So um, I am the generation of the Koenig family that wasn't as vociferous and militant uh, about uh, political philosophy and, and mankind. Uh, I, I was afraid we were going to be thrown into detention camps. George Takei actually ended up in a detention camp. I thought we were we were next. Uh, of course, I didn't know George at the time. So um, I commend the people who are very active. I commend people who are not afraid to be told they're going somebody's going to kill them for for talking about um, a presidency under Mr. Biden. That that you know that it's an insidious, subversive, uh, destructive thing, and it's going to ruin America. There, there are so many morons who. Uh, who adhere to that who, who believe in that um, so I believed in it, but I was quiet, so that's a polite way of saying I didn't stand up the way i I, sh- I should have then and now I mean I talking to you and some people will hear what I'm saying um, but I've always felt that uh I, I I should have been more vociferous and more active, um, and that's the thing. It's one of the the, the great um, pluses about my that I feel is my association with Star Trek that I got to be part of something that, in a um, in a way, and not necessarily a a um, aggressively outspoken way, but in a way is trying to. Uh, to um, encourage that we look at mankind as as, uh, as one great big soul and that we all have something to contribute and to care about for each other. Uh, uh, you know, we just lived through four years that I think are, are just an abomination. And um, what, what's that? Red hat you're wearing? <laughs> no, you're not wearing red hat. But that would be um, awkward. <laughs> yes, if you suddenly worked it out, particularly. Um, so, I, I, of course, I've forgotten the question by now.
1: Uh, I I was just um, you know I I just wanted to have a discussion about you know with uh, with your celebrity how you know how, what you feel your um, responsibility is and how you kind of approach that um, I know. Th- this is not in any way comparison, but, like, I have a, you know, I have a small YouTube channel, and I talk to people on a podcast, and even I feel the weight of um, there are people who listen to me, um, and do I need to do that even when it sometimes upsets me? And it's, it's interesting what you were saying about your childhood. You could say... Saying- yeah. Well, you know, we all live through trauma and I don't want to minimize anybody else's, but, you know, it's been a hard couple of years and, but I still feel like, you know, when there are causes that need to be talked about, I have a small audience of people who trust me. So I try, I try to go do that. Um, i
0: sure it's going to grow.
1: Oh, Thank you. Um, But, you know, I I think it's interesting what you talk about early in your book is a uh, um, is a very real account of what it was like being a child um, post-war and a child of of immigrants in New York and um, being subject to um, uh, McCarthyism and that sentiment. And um, it's is actually, you know, I, I thought. I don't know how to put it into words, but I think that's a really, really important part of your book. And that's part of the before (laughs) part. Um, And you, you talk specifically about how it affects you, but also um, it's um, a good insight into uh, what things were like at the time. Um, So Yeah. yeah, it was just a discussion on, on what you feel now that, now that you have celebrity, you know, what, how you, how you use that or what your feelings are on, you know social justice issues
0: uh, you know as i as I've, uh, advanced into my 8th decade i'm a little less shy about feelings so i i'm inclined to 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 uh, be a, a little uh, a little more aggressive and uh, discuss discuss uh, where we are where we've been and where we're going, and and you know deal with the uh, deal with the concern that I have, and, and, and you know and uh, articulate those concerns that we we have to be we have to be uh, on the alert. We we can't go through another pe- period like we just went through four years, or like we went through uh, in the forties or like we went through in the, uh, during Vietnam, uh, et cetera. Um, we've got to try to be, be better. And and that's the world. I'm not just talking about America. There, there are heinous acts and, 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 uh, people who, who carry so much anger and vilification and, and, uh, Are are so ready to to, uh, obviate the the good things we do and and underscore and emphasize and promote the bad things that happen. Um, It's not just that Trump was was a bad guy; it's that he had so many followers that he had seventy million people vote for him. That's what scares me. You know. We're, we're a better country than that. And at least I, I, I want to believe it. So, yeah, so uh, just reiterating what I had said earlier, uh, I'm very, I'm pleased that if I, if I have to be remembered for only one thing as a, as a performer, it's that I am identified with Star Trek. And Star Trek
1: uh,
0: very frequently had something Important for us to listen to.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that um, you and everybody else has, who's involved has achieved that. Um, again, you know, in your words, they're the life's blood of a better world, the fans. Um, and so I hope that's true as well.
0: How old, um, are you? how old am I? Yeah.
1: I'm 41. No, 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 no,
0: no. Tell me.
1: Uh, no, I'm 41. My son's going to be 15 next month.
0: <laughs> I was 15 years. <laughs> whoa, whoa! Well, I, is that something to be congratulated for? I guess it
1: is. I guess I don't know. <laughs> It just—it it, is—it's funny. You were saying like, oh, now I'm in, in my eighth decade. I'm like, I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to the freedom that comes with age. You know, you you start to get like, even even at my age, like I've noticed the the pressures of of the pressures of youth seem to fall away. Um, so I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Plus, you get to do really awesome things like write your memoirs and take a bird's eye view <laughs> of your life in this like. Sort of narrative way, which is um, which has got to be an interesting undertaking for you, right?
0: It was fun. It was fun. I I truly enjoyed it. It was cathartic Hmm. uh, because I got to say things that I had only said under my breath (laughs) at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, and I think the work is is you know is 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 good. It's 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 you know, I'm, I'm I. I'm not a writer of great stature but i but i when I get it right i'm I think I'm pretty interesting to to, to read <laughs> so there
1: uh. I'll be right back with more Walter Koenig in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor: Better help. sometimes when you really need help, actually going and getting help feels like an awfully big hill to climb. You have to find someone who might not be suitable. You have to make an appointment and leave the house, which right now is a little scary. And you have to commit money to something that you're not even sure will be worth it. Enter BetterHelp. BetterHelp is trying to make that whole process easier, so there are fewer barriers between where you are now and where you want to be. It's more affordable than traditional counseling. You can schedule messages or meetings at times that work for you, all from the comfort of your own home. And they even make it free and easy to change counselors if you need to. If you're facing that big hill between you and the help you need, it might be time to look at BetterHelp. You can start living a happier life today. And as a daily Star Trek news listener, you can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash D-S-T-N. And that's help H-E-L-P. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health by visiting BetterHelp.com forward slash D-S-T-N. That's H-E-L-P BetterHelp.com forward slash D-S-T-N. And a big thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's show. And now back for the final part of my conversation with Walter Koenig. If there's anything looking back over, you know, your life... Is there a moment that you'd like to just go back and live in for a little while longer?
0: Oh, that's interesting. I thought you were going to say a moment that I regret because God yeah. knows there are lots of those.
1: <laughs> no, I wanted to kind of—I go for a positive, the positive spin on that. <laughs> well, I've done, I've done some things uh, in theater
0: uh, that I thought were well-received and I thought I did a pretty good job Mm-hmm. um maybe not so much in on the, in, in in film um but there's some performances that that i've done that i felt good about um people that i've met that i've got to know mm-hmm. you know i would and they're no longer here that's an, an unfortunate circumstance that i would lo- love to be able to tip a tip a Glass of beer, although I don't drink beer, but uh, do something like that with again, you know, have those those kind of exchanges and laughs and uh, em- em- empathetic, or is it empathic? I never know. That <clears throat> I'm not sure. <laughs> You're the
1: writer. You're the yours should be the wordsmith here. I don't know.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, things like that. Um, there are probably other things that mean a great deal to me that don't come to mind right now at, at this moment. Yeah. yeah but
1: you know. I'll leave you that one to ponder. It's funny because, you know, I was impressed with um, how well you remember certain events, especially from your youth. I, I try to think back and I, you know, there's a lot that I don't remember. Um, and uh, it was interesting to, to read these uh from when you were very small, I, I can't remember the name of the teacher, the, the beginning of the other shoe in the second grade, <laughs> like this memory is so vivid. Um,
0: it's it's <laughs>
1: Ah, See, you do. Yeah, you remember. Um, and it's, you know, to follow those narrative threads through, it's, um, it's, it's kind of, it's amazing. Um, what's next for you? You know, you know, not necessarily like this afternoon, but I mean, like, you know, what are, what are you doing going forward? I'm looking for a substantial shovel. Are we talking a physical shovel or a metaphorical shovel? <laughs> well, I'm thinking I'd like to
0: be the uh, the one who determines with what instrument I am buried.
1: Oh, okay. Not soon, I hope. I feel like there's. I feel like you can you can get at least one more expanded edition out of your memoirs. Exploit the
0: the the uh, the golden. Uh, chalice or whatever yeah. uh, one more book yeah no i well i'm actually I, i'm actually trying to write a novel mm-hmm. and i and i think uh the ideas are really good but expressing them and shaping them uh i find like i'm rewriting all the time mm-hmm. so i don't know how far i'm going to get um, but it's it's a it's an unusual approach i write uh the narrative is from the point of view of different people. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And
1: uh,
0: somebody dies in every chapter.
1: <laughs> what was it you were saying earlier about not killing people off like halfway through the action? <laughs>
0: yeah, but, see, but, all, but all, all, you're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I to defend myself on that. <laughs>
1: Now, uh, uh, remind me: Have you written a novel before? I know that you've f- written for television and things like that. But... I did write a novel
0: that almost no one read. Um, the curious thing was, it, it was it was right after Star Trek series went off the air, mm-hmm. and I had nothing to do. I had nowhere to go and nothing to do. I had a little baby at home, but uh, I, I I I I didn't have anything to, to occupy my my life let alone my, my, my creative side um, until one day i I woke up and I said i can't go on like this i'm'm not, I'm not receiving not only am i not receiving any work I'm not receiving any any opportunities you know to, to try to try to work to get work I, I became a non-person and um, and, I, and I was really having a difficult time handling it so I decided to write a novel, uh, not having any any sense of uh, when it was done, how good would it would be, how well would it be received, how many copies I would sell. Anything, whether it even be purchased by a publishing company. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did every day for three or four hours, and mostly at the library. We had a little baby at home; I was crying a lot. Um, I went and I wrote a bizarre novel called Buck, Alice, and the Actor-Robot. And, um, and I showed it to three people, three professional writers. Uh, all three of them, incidentally, had written for Star Trek. Um, one was George Clayton Johnson. I don't know if you know that name. He wrote seven episodes. Another was... Don't remember. Very good writer. He wrote a, a play that was on Broadway called Kataki, about a Japanese soldier and an American soldier meeting on an island after the war is over, not knowing that the war is over. It was made into a, into a film with Lee Marvin. It played uh, on Broadway. Uh, Hell in the Pacific? What? Hell in the Pacific? No. Not that one? It may, it, that may, may have been the name. The movie, in the movie. What? It was the film with Toshirō Mifune. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That. that that's, say it again. Hell in the Pacific. Hell in the Pacific. Hell in the Pacific. In the movie. Yeah. Anyway, those two guys really liked it, and they thought it would be. I could get it published without any trouble. The third. The third science fiction writer was the, the most cele- One the most celebrity, the most notorious, and the hottest writer of his time, and that was Harlan Ellison. Right. He hated it, (laughs) hated it, he thought it was terrible. (laughs) There's there's nothing precise in the story, there's no precision. And he went on and on, and I I say, it says something from my fortitude and my restraint that I didn't tell him to, you know, um, because although I was devastated by the reaction, I was also pretty angry. Anyway, I put it away, put it in the drawer, didn't take it out for 18 years. Then I took it out, and showed it to somebody and they showed it to uh, uh, somebody else who ran a very small publishing company. They bought it, they published it, didn't sell many copies. The, their uh, rights, um, uh, uh, what's the word, this, their rights, they lost their rights to the, to the material. But it, 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 it was shown to another publisher, another young group of people, and they published it. And when when their rights expired, uh, it went to another publisher, and they published it. <laughs> so I probably had the most publishers and the fewest copies sold yeah. <laughs> of, of any novelist <laughs> anywhere. But it was, it was great fun doing it. And uh, I had never written... I had never taken an English course in college, yeah. um, so uh, so I was I, I felt pretty good about it. It's not a successful book. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek um, uh, f- political fantasy.
1: I, I wonder if you can still get it. I'm curious now.
0: I'm sure there's some Star Trek fan who overestimated. <laughs> enthusiasm for it and decided to make a killing
1: (laughs) yeah well it's interesting because it's like it's 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 a it's a piece of your personal history right it's that um that period that got you through um suddenly not being on star trek anymore because it didn't exist so Yeah. yeah. yeah yeah very interesting well, okay. That's, that's, that's what I have from me. Um, I, I really, I can't speak highly enough about the book. I, I really couldn't put it down. And um, it's, it's a little awkward actually speaking to you now because I feel like I know your whole life story. Um, that's what people have not say to me. They feel a little embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are definitely parts in here <laughs> where I was like should I be reading this <laughs> it's a little you know um but that that's what makes it a really a really enjoyable read so um here I'll show it off again Here it is Beaming up and getting off life before and beyond Star Trek um, by Walter Koenig and uh, Walter thank you so much for joining me I really appreciate it I loved our chat and uh, you know, um, it, i i have i have no other words <laughs> thank you for being here in california southern california
0: we might run into each other sometime
1: yeah that would be well hopefully not soon because i don't know if you've heard but there's a pandemic on pan who <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but, but on the line there'd be a convention or something You yeah conventions? sorry you attend conventions? Yeah,
1: I do. Yeah. So I've, honestly, we've probably passed in the hallway half a dozen times at STLV or something like that, but um, never had the pleasure before today. So um, it's been wonderful to meet you and thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks again to Walter Koenig for joining me on Daily Star Trek News. You can pick up his memoirs, Beaming Up and Getting Off, Life Before and Beyond Star Trek from Jacobs Brown Press at Booksellers Nationwide. Well, that's it for today's Daily Star Trek news from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. This episode of Daily Star Trek News was sponsored by BetterHelp. Get 10% off your first month of counseling by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash DSTN. I'm back tomorrow with more of the Star Trek news you need to know and this week's Trek trivia. I'm Allison Pitt. Live long and prosper. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.